Hi, welcome to the Live Room Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. I'm Heather Knezik. As a mama of three, a labor and delivery nurse, a birth educator, and a mama who's been there, my goal is to help you find your way to an empowered, confident birth and beyond. So get comfy, snuggle in with a nice cup of iced coffee or decaf, and hang out with me and other moms in the same stage of life as we talk about all the tea. Here, we will share real-life experiences, dive deep into important, fun, and sometimes hard topics, while always dishing out actionable step-by-step methods, tips and tricks, mom hacks, and golden nuggets that you'll be glad you heard here. From trying to conceive, pregnancy, birth, breastfeeding, and the baby stage, we're going to dig into all the nitty-gritty, the down and dirty, the real-life, no-sugar-coating good stuff that you've been looking for on your journey to and through motherhood. Because mama, labor doesn't end in the delivery room. Let's get started. Hey friend, welcome to the Labor Room Podcast. This is episode 13. Okay, so I know I'm a little late airing this episode again, and that just means that I had a very busy and very full week in just life this week, and or I guess I should say last week. And I think you guys will understand. I think you guys will get it because I'm a mom, you're a mom, or you are at least you know, preparing to bring a baby into this world. And it's just really full sometimes. And I go through seasons for sure, where I just feel like every single day, there is not a single moment to do anything more than the bare minimum. And this past week or two, like was actually just really full and really blessed. And I got to do so many things that I don't normally get to do with my family. We celebrated my sweet firstborn's birthday. Um, Logan turned seven, if you can believe it. Um, and we went to the bowling alley with some of his friends. First of all, if you have a child who's like between, I would say six and eight, I guess, I don't know anything about children older than eight years old, but he just turned seven. So he's like right in the middle of there. And the bowling alley was the best idea ever for his birthday. So if you have a child that is in this age range, we had such a fun time and booking the birthday party at the bowling alley made everything easy. I didn't have to bring decorations. They set up decorations for him with his name and um, they provided all the food and all the drink and all the activity and even the cake. It was just the easiest thing. And if you know me, you know, I'm all for easy. And then when we left the bowling alley, Logan told me that was the best birthday ever. So win-win. And then a week after his birthday was my birthday and my husband lovingly banned me from the computer. So I was unable to work or get anything done that week either, but I'm thankful. Okay. I'm thankful for it. Sometimes I become a little bit of a workaholic and I love what I do. I love getting my creativity out into the world, but he took care of me for my birthday. I got a massage and everything else. So that's why we're here um, a week late, but that's okay. I've got good episodes coming up for you coming up in the next few weeks. I have interviews coming in and this podcast is only getting more and more exciting and full of information and honestly full of 
really exciting reviews from you guys. So I want to thank you for tuning in. I want to thank you so much for being patient with me as I get my podcast toes wet because this is still new to me and you guys have been such a good support and I love you guys so much for being here and tuning in and listening and learning um, about having babies and raising them. So without further ado, we can dive into this week's episode, which is a really exciting topic. It's 10 tips that you need to understand before you head to the hospital to have your baby. And They aren't what you might be expecting. We aren't talking about how to have a pain-free birth or how to heal postpartum. We're chatting about some of the things that are often missed by new moms and surprise parents as they enter into this strange new world of labor and delivery. When you're in the home stretch of your pregnancy and you finally feel ready, there actually are probably a few things that you've missed or aren't even aware of. At this point, you've already taken your prenatal birth course, had your baby shower, answered all of your pregnancy questions, and Googled enough to write a book, I'm sure, but now there are a few specific things that you may need a reminder about before you head to the hospital to have your baby. The first thing is that your first trip to the hospital may not be your last. Okay, so this might be a touchy subject, but I'm going to give it to you straight. Just because you think you're in labor doesn't mean that you are in labor. I know it's painful to hear it, but the truth is that it is very common to be sent home once, twice, or even three times before actually being admitted to labor and delivery. This is because even if you're having contractions, if your cervix isn't changing, then you aren't in true labor just yet. And that's not to say that it isn't coming. You might be back later the same day to have your baby, but most hospitals will send moms home who are in prodromal or early labor to continue laboring at home before getting admitted to labor and delivery. Because of this truth, my advice to you is this. Don't haul all of your things onto the labor and delivery unit right away. Make sure that they are packed up and safe in your car before you head to the hospital. Just leave them in the car until you get admitted. If you think that you're in labor or you're questioning whether or not your water broke, it might be a good idea to come to the unit with minimal luggage, like maybe just a small bag of labor essentials and leave the rest for your partner or other support people to bring up once it's official that you're staying. There's nothing worse than walking onto the labor and delivery unit, birthing ball and pregnancy pillow in tow, and then have to drag everything back out to your car when you're sent home. Don't get me wrong though, if you're in obvious active labor or you're gushing out fluid or are otherwise certain that you're going to be admitted, by all means, make one trip. This is just a little tip that sometimes I see moms wishing that they had known when it's their first, second, or sometimes third trip up to the unit. Okay, so number two, your hospital stay is mostly post-delivery. Unless you're being induced or are admitted for a long-term antepartum stay, you'll likely spend the majority of your hospital stay in the postpartum unit. In most hospitals, after the triage process, you get admitted to a labor and delivery room where you will be for the labor and birth, and then you'll be transferred into a new room in many cases. 
The reason why I bring this up now is because most of the things that you're going to be packing are for postpartum. You've probably been Googling what to pack for labor and delivery, but in reality, you don't need a whole lot for labor and delivery portion of your stay. Keep this in mind when you bring your things up from the car too. You're going to have bags full of stuff that you will not even touch in labor and delivery. Anything that has to do with the nursing or baby care won't be used until after you most likely transfer to a new room. So here's a quick list of what you'll actually need in the first part of your stay, which is labor. Number one, maybe your own labor gown, which is totally optional. Number two, a portable fan. Trust me. Number three, an essential oil diffuser. I think that's an essential for sure. Number four, hair ties. Number five, chapstick. Again, just trust me. These are things that people are always searching for in their bags and always wishing that they had. Number six, a phone charger that has an extra long cord. Number seven, a birthing ball or peanut ball if your hospital doesn't provide them for you. Number eight, your birth plan and birth affirmations. And number nine, maybe some pain coping tools like a comb, stress balls, a tennis ball, or other tricks that your birth course has taught you about. And that's it. Everything else that you pack in your hospital bag will be used after you have your baby and things slow down a whole lot. At this point, your partner or support person will be able to leave and come back if you've forgotten something or left something in the car. Number three, speaking of the car, fully install your car seat before you leave the house. Although you definitely don't need to bring the car seat and stroller up to the hospital room, you do need the car seat to be installed in the car before you go home. Do your due diligence to find a safe car seat and make sure that you read the manual that came with the car seat and your car manual. Make sure that you understand exactly how to safely and properly install your car seat on your own because the nurses and hospital personnel are probably not qualified or even allowed to help you with installation. Plus, this is something that you're going to be doing many times over the next few weeks and months, so get used to it now before you're stressed out with a brand new fragile little newborn baby trying to maneuver your way through a brand new car seat. Plus, you'll want to also take a look on how to adjust the straps for a baby that is bigger or smaller than what the straps are at when you take it out of the box. Make sure you're comfortable adjusting the straps and the headrest to fit your baby perfectly. I actually had experienced this struggle when I had my third baby. My first baby was like a bigger baby and fit his car seat like a glove. My second was an average seven pounder and I didn't really have to think twice about the straps because they fit him perfectly. But then I had my daughter who was a little nugget who seemed to be swallowed up by her seat. It took so much time in the parking lot trying to figure out how to readjust the straps to fit a smaller baby. It was a lesson learned for sure. Once you've gotten the hang of how your specific car seat works and it is secured in your car, don't bother taking it out when you get to the hospital. It's just another thing that's taking up space in your labor and postpartum rooms that you do not need. Your baby will be carried out to the car in your arms, and the next time you're going to take your car seat out of the car is when you're finally walking into your home with baby sleeping in that very seat. I bet you can't wait for that moment. I remember... 
with all three of my babies carrying that car seat into the house for the first time and feeling like, oh my gosh, it feels like my whole world has changed because of course it did. But just bringing that car seat in with a brand new little human that's never been in your home before is a moment that I feel like you're never going to forget. Anyway, that was a tangent, but moving on to number four, you won't be of any help carrying things in or out of the hospital. So hear me out. Hopefully, if you're heading to the hospital, you're in labor. That's the goal. And if that's the case, you likely won't be helpful carrying anything into the hospital. You'll be too focused on managing your labor pains to do any of that. Keep that in mind when getting everything ready before you head to the hospital to have your baby. Make sure your partner can be fully independent in knowing what to grab, where everything is, which bags are most important, where your labor and birth essentials are located, and he can carry everything by himself. Hey, maybe you'll be lucky and you can help him out and you fully plan on at least being in charge of one bag. And okay, that's great, but... Let's just plan for you not helping just in case. If your partner can't carry everything in and out of the hospital on his own without your help, you might have overpacked. On the same trend of thought, while you're at the hospital, be careful accepting gifts or flowers from family because you won't be able to help on the way out of the hospital either. Ask family to bring their offerings straight to your home to avoid having excess to pack, transfer between rooms, and carry after your stay. When being discharged from the hospital after birth, you'll be escorted out in a wheelchair while holding your new baby in your arms, and your partner will be tagging along, carrying everything out in his arms in one trip. Number five, luckily, your partner isn't the patient. Lucky for everyone, your partner is not the patient and will be able to come and go as he or she pleases. Take advantage of this when you can. I feel like a lot of people sometimes feel like they as a team are stuck there permanently for as long as it takes for you to come in and get admitted and then get discharged home. And you both have to make sure you have everything packed perfectly and no one's going to be able to leave But in most cases, your support person can come and go as they please. Your partner can leave to grab food, coffee, or anything else that you need and may have forgotten. If your stay in the hospital ends up being longer than you expected it to be, or you're craving that favorite meal immediately after you give birth, send him out. Unlike you, your partner does not have to stay in the hospital room for the entire time. Now, with that being said, of course, I am a huge advocate of having a support person by your side, the entire labor experience, the entire birth process, and the support person is a really crucial role in the labor and birth process. 100% yes, your partner should be there. But if you have more than one support person, or if you've hired a doula or After the labor and birth process, when your partner has been there for you the entire time, after that, they can come and go to help get you things, to help provide you more support, to help, you know, make sure that you have everything you need, get the food that you're craving, etc. You do not have to eat hospital food 
just because you're in the hospital, especially after giving birth and replenishing your body after such a marathon. And now you're breastfeeding, like who wants hospital food at that time, right? Get something that you're craving, send your partner out, make sure you have your favorite blanket or your favorite pillow or the thing that you forgot when you were laboring and you didn't have time to think of every single thing, send them out. Something that happened recently was a patient of mine didn't, wasn't sure whether or not she was going to be getting an epidural or not. And when she was going through her labor process, she was like, I heard you had birth balls. Can I have a birthing ball? And I was like, Ooh, well we have peanut balls and those are really great for lots of things, especially if you have an epidural, but like what she was looking for was like something to sit on, to rock, to help her with her pain coping. And I was like, we do not have regular sized birthing balls. And so she sent her support person out and she had her mom look up on the target app. If they had any exercise balls in stock at the target nearby, and then send her out to get the birthing ball in a, in a pump to use during her labor. So just utilize this freedom that we have, especially now post COVID when there was like no freedom whatsoever and your partner had to stay in the room with you. Now I'm realizing so much more how this freedom of coming and going is such a privilege and we should really be utilizing it to our advantage. Number six, there are many reasons to go to labor and delivery. When you walk onto the unit ready to check in, you might be asked why you're here, and I know it seems obvious. You might even look around and make sure you're in the right place because like, hello, I'm pregnant, walking into a labor and delivery unit, I'm obviously going to be in labor and I want to deliver my baby, right? But the reality is though that pregnant women walk onto the labor and delivery unit for so many reasons. I could not even begin to list every single one of them, but here is just a few. Obviously, labor and contractions, water broke or leaking, bleeding during pregnancy, decreased fetal movement, persistent headache, pelvic pressure, colder flu symptoms, high blood pressure, abdominal or back pain, the list goes on. So be prepared to explain what it is that you're checking in for, because there is a different triage process depending on your reason for being there. Not every pregnant patient is assessed and evaluated in the same way. It all depends on your situation. Depending on why you're checking in, you might have a short wait before getting to a room. You might be rushed back right away. You might be sent to a small shared space called triage where they expect you to stay for a short time before getting sent home. Depending on why you're there, you might be told not to eat or drink anything while they evaluate you, or they might ask you different questions to get a full story about what's going on. So whenever you get to the hospital, offer as much information up to your nurse as possible. For example, when your contractions started, when they became more intense, how long you've been leaking for, what the bleeding looks like, or what decreased movement means to you. All of these details can help you get the care that you need as soon and as swiftly as possible. Number seven, most of the time it's best to wait to alert the media. When you're ready to go, bags are packed and you're about to leave. My advice to you is to not call your friends and family before you go to the hospital to have your baby. Like we talked about earlier, you may or may not stay at the hospital once you get there. 
If you call your people and say something like, hey mom, I'm on my way to the hospital, the baby's coming, they are sure to head to the hospital too, even if you ask them not to. At the very least, they will be up all night texting you for updates. So instead of alerting everyone of the exciting news that they've been waiting for for weeks, keep it between you and your partner and your doula if you have one until you hear the sweet words, you're being admitted. If you wait until you're admitted to the hospital, you avoid getting everyone excited and all worked up just to go home and wait some more. You might even want to wait to announce your news for a few other milestones, depending on what your family's role will be in the birth process. For example, you might want to wait until after you get your IV and get settled in if you feel like having your visitors in the room will be distracting and you'd rather have a few things checked off the list before inviting people into your space. Keep in mind that being admitted means that you might be asked uncomfortable questions like medical history questions, abuse questions, substance use questions, things that maybe you don't want your family to hear you talking about. Also, you might want to wait until after you get an epidural if you're planning on getting one so that you can be comfortable before having people see you when you're at your most vulnerable. You also might want to wait until after you deliver if your family and friends don't have a specific role that will help you through your labor. I honestly think that your birth space is sacred and anyone invited should be there to help you and assist you rather than just watching for the sake of being part of something or for their own gain or experience. Really take a look at the list of people you want near you during your labor, birth, and postpartum experiences and think about how their personalities or their quirks are going to help you or hinder you in this sensitive moment where you're vulnerable, you're trying to focus on yourself, you're trying to make good decisions, you're exposed. And if thinking of these people seeing you naked, or if you don't believe that they'll be helpful to the process in some way, and the only reason you're allowing them into your space is because they should be there or they deserve to be there. No, rethink it. This experience is not for them. It's yours and it really does matter. So with all of that being said, if you don't want someone in your room with you, don't let them know what's happening in real time. If you don't want text messages all night long, fill them in after the fact or when things are getting further along. Number eight, remember that there is a process for everything. Before you head to the hospital to have your baby, make sure you understand what the process is going to be like on your journey to actually having the baby. I talk about this a lot when discussing birth plans because sometimes we get so caught up with the biggest bullet point on our list that we forget the process that gets us there. For example, someone might know for certain that they want an epidural, and so their whole plan is get an epidural. But think about the process that gets you to that point of requesting an epidural or to the point where you're being admitted because remember that most hospitals aren't admitting you in early labor. And if they are, does that hospital allow early epidurals before active labor? What are you doing? What are you feeling and experiencing during this whole process before you're able to actually get the epidural? And it doesn't just apply to those that want an epidural either. Some women have the plan to have a water birth, but think about the process that's happening before you get into the water. There is a process to everything. 
When you imagine your birth, if you're like many new moms, you picture the height of it, the exciting parts, the hardest parts, but there are those in-between parts that sometimes trip us up or send us for a loop. Let's say that you're laboring at home for a bit and you've decided that it's time to head to the hospital. Well, what do you hope happens next? You get to the hospital and push out your baby? If that's the case, then you should be planning on laboring at home for quite a while. Do you hope that you get to the hospital and get an epidural? Well, think about the process that you'll have to go through before the epidural is in and working and you're comfortable. You've got to think about number one, drive time. You think you're uncomfortable right now? Wait until you get into the car. When deciding whether or not you're ready to head to the hospital to have your baby, consider the fact that you're going to have to drive to get there. What's the drive going to be like? How are you going to manage that discomfort and stay calm in the car? You should have a plan for that. And the second thing is triage. When you walk into the labor and delivery unit, no one can just sense how dilated you are. There is a process of assessment to determine whether or not there is a reason to keep you there or send you home to come back later. So what are you going to do and how can you stay calm and comfortable while you're in this waiting process of getting assessed and determine whether or not you're dilated enough to be admitted? You might also want to consider the admission process. Most of the time, there is a whole admission process to go through before you are left to labor in peace or until you can get your epidural or move into the tub. There is usually monitoring involved, getting an IV, lots of questions that your nurses have to go over to get you admitted in the computer, stuff like that. And also the next thing is the actual epidural process, if that's your goal. If you're planning to get an epidural or you choose to get one once you're there, asking for one is only the first step. Once you ask for an epidural, you'll need the anesthesia provider to come assess you. You'll have to get your IV in to receive a certain amount of IV fluids and have certain lab results already in your chart. Now, once you're actually ready for the epidural, getting one is a whole process of its own. You have to get into a certain position and hold it there while this person behind you is inserting a needle into the most perfect space in your back. It's not like a regular shot in your arm. It's a process. I could continue on talking about it this way for really anything, whether you're going unmedicated or not, whether you're being induced or not, whether you have a birth plan or not, you're going to be experiencing more than just the height of labor and delivery most of the time. There will be processes that surprise you sometimes. There might be waiting periods that frustrate you. So it's important to prepare for them and have a plan for how you will make sure you're not suffering through these processes, but instead you're working through them in a way that keeps you feeling calm, safe, and empowered through the process. Hey mama, this moment right here, right now, it's all about you. Your journey, your strength, your excitement, and I know your questions, so many questions. I get it. You've probably been wondering, what am I getting myself into? Maybe you're a first time mom to be feeling a bit overwhelmed about the upcoming birth or a seasoned mama still wanting to feel more prepared this time around. Well, mama, you're exactly where you need to be because I have the labor and delivery guide to offer you and you can have all 150 pages of it printed out on your lap before this episode is even over. 
The Labor and Delivery Guide is a comprehensive, downloadable, and printable guidebook created specifically to answer your every question, dispel your doubts, and empower you through knowledge. From those final appointments to understanding different stages of labor, from when to head to the hospital to the ins and outs of inductions, from managing unexpected C-sections to navigating possible complications, this guide is going to be your reassuring companion. But with your guide, you also get five outstanding bonuses in which you'll unravel the true nature of labor pain, understand your rights in labor and delivery, navigate potential birth trauma, and gain answers to frequently asked questions. Plus, receive genuine advice from moms who've been there, sharing what they wish they'd known before going into labor. Listen, I've made it my mission to help you switch from, I'm so nervous, birth sounds terrifying, to I'm ready for this baby to come. Knowledge is power, mama, and this guide is your first step in harnessing it. So are you ready to embrace your birth with confidence? Grab your labor and delivery guide today at www.alifeinlabor.com slash labor and delivery guide to prepare for one of the most impactful days of your life. Because you, mama, you've got this. Number nine, prepare for limited sleep. In a hospital, we do our best to make you as comfortable as possible and allow for as much sleep as we can. Unfortunately, quality sleep is near impossible in a hospital setting for many people. Before you head to the hospital to have your baby, make sure that you're getting your rest as much as you possibly can and sleep in the comfort of your own home while you still can in early labor. Labor can be a long process and then having a new baby definitely limits your ability to sleep. While in the hospital, your sleep may be interrupted for a number of reasons like pain, receiving medications, getting your vital signs checked, having your fetal monitors adjusted constantly, providers rounding on you, shift change, assessments and procedures, noises outside of your room, beeping or noise within your room, lights outside of your room, and constant lights on the monitors and computers in your room. Quality restorative sleep once you get to the hospital is rare. So if you have the opportunity to rest, do it. While you're at home in labor, make rest a priority. And then once you get to the hospital, if you have the chance to sleep because you're being induced and not much is happening yet, or because you have an epidural and you're not having pain anymore, rest at appropriate intervals. I think it's really natural and normal to feel excited and you're just so thrilled to be in labor that you keep yourself up all night. It's really common to get admitted to the hospital at 11 p.m. and to just stay up all night because you're just so pumped that it's finally happening and you want to call everyone and socialize with your guests and do all of the things. But the reality is Many times, the one thing that's going to benefit your physical and mental health during labor and birth the most is rest. Since you're not going to get those long stretches of solid sleep anymore, get rest while you can. Dim the lights, turn off the TV, and close your eyes. It can really make a difference in your outlook on the hospital experience, your tolerance to the rest of your labor process, and your emotional health as labor progresses or doesn't progress the way that you hoped or thought that it would. All right, and finally, number 10, being at the hospital doesn't change anything. And here's what I'm getting at with this one. Getting to the hospital doesn't change much when it comes to your labor process. 
Many people have a fear of labor that makes them feel like they want to be in the hospital as soon as they start having painful contractions. Whether they want to deliver unmedicated or hope for an epidural, many new moms feel uncomfortable laboring at home and want to be admitted to the hospital right away because they feel like it's some sort of safety net. But here's a little secret for you. Simply being in the hospital and being in the presence of labor and delivery personnel does not progress your labor any faster, help your pain anymore, or make you feel any more in control. In order to progress your labor faster, you have two options, do it yourself or have medical intervention to progress your labor. If you don't want to be augmented or induced, you're going to have to help yourself in making sure your labor continues to progress. This means getting up, walking, moving, resting when you need to, and fueling your body. The hospital is not doing this for you. And in order to manage your pain, you need to have a plan. Are you going to request pain medication or are you going to be using your own pain management techniques? Simply being in the hospital and telling your nurse that you're in pain will not take away the pain. You need to have an idea of how that pain will be managed. And I say this because it's not uncommon that a laboring mom will call her nurse into the room and say that she's in 10 out of 10 pain, but she doesn't want epidural and she's hesitant to try IV narcotics in labor. Unfortunately, there isn't a whole lot that your team can do to help your labor pain other than those two most common options, especially if you haven't prepared ahead of time with natural techniques, brought some labor coping tools in your bag, and prepared your mind for how to breathe through the wave of each contraction without fighting it or fearing it. If you're intimidated by this, you might benefit from more labor and birth education. I highly recommend that you enroll in a birth course that can help you make a plan that works for your goals through your fears and using options that you're comfortable with. Just remember getting to the hospital might feel like a relief at first, like a big weight off of your shoulders. Like, okay, I'm here. It's going to be okay. But without a plan, you'll quickly realize that just being there actually doesn't help the things that you're experiencing. If your labor is slow, it's going to stay slow. If your labor is hard, it's going to stay hard unless you have a plan for how you can change the trajectory of your birth. If you have fear of labor or birth, being in the hospital does not take that fear away. The only way that you're going to get rid of that fear is by educating yourself in childbirth, having a solid understanding of what is going to happen during your labor and birth process, and have a plan for what actions you're going to take to have the birth that you want. Being in the hospital doesn't take away labor, make it go any faster, or make it any more tolerable. If you aren't concerned that something is wrong, or if your provider hasn't recommended that you go to the hospital right now, you might actually give yourself a better experience by staying home a little while longer than you think. You have more freedom at home, freedom to move, change positions, eat, drink, be loud, be silent, get in the bath, or anything else that your heart desires. When you get to the hospital, even with incredible nurses, a highly competent team, and an excellent relationship with your labor support people, the kind of freedom that you can have at home just isn't typical in a hospital. You'll still have to talk to the nurses, doctors, and anesthesia providers. Your diet will be restricted, and depending on how easily you're monitored, your nurse might be adjusting your fetal monitors frequently. 
Think of the hospital as a place where you get something specific. For example, it's a place that will give you either help when there is a concern with you or your baby or pain relief when labor has progressed to a point where you need a break or you no longer want to manage it by yourself or medication when you require medical intervention and a team that can safely help your baby out while you do the work and they simply guide them out safely into the world. So before you head to the hospital to have your baby, I hope you remember this one extra tip that may just be the most important one yet. You've got this. These last moments of your pregnancy might be scary or intimidating, but I know something that you might not. You have the ability to have the birth that you've been imagining. You can do this. Don't be afraid. Birth is nothing to be scared of. It's something to embrace, look forward to, and eventually look back on with a smile. If you enjoyed this episode, I would absolutely love it if you would leave a rating and review. You can actually enter to win enrollment into the Empowered Birth Academy or any of my online courses by leaving a rating and review. These reviews help me out so much and they are so appreciated. This week's winner is Martinez.V. She said, I am due in December. The amount of knowledge I have gained from this podcast has been amazing. Every episode, I feel more prepared and more confident for labor. I appreciate that there is information for the support person as well. Thank you so much for making this stage in life easier to go through. Well, thank you for that sweet review. I appreciate it more than you know. So, martinez.v, just shoot me a DM over on Instagram at a life in labor to claim your course. As for the rest of you, I'll see you next week. You've just wrapped up another episode of the labor room podcast, but before you go, I've got a little something to make your journey to the delivery room a little smoother. I've put together a free hospital bag checklist. That's been mom tested and nurse approved in this list. You'll find the essentials, all of the game changers that I used in my own births and the things that I wished I'd brought with me after having three babies of my own. Trust me, you'll have everything that you need and nothing you don't. Just head over to alifeinlabor.com slash hospital bag checklist, all one word, to download it right now. I can't wait for you to check it out. See you in the next episode. Your content gives women and empowers them to make informed decisions about their birth, pretty much to allow them to have the birth that they desire. And it's not just a cut and dry. You have just given me the strength to be the best mom that I can be for my son. After we had a couple of miscarriages and I knew that I wanted to try and have a more unassisted birth. Um, And I was able to go into that being more confident in who I was as a mother and what I wanted. You have been such a help to me as a brand new mom. I just had my first baby a year ago and that's when I started following your account. And I feel like your positivity has really just helped me kind of change my my own mindset in being a mother. Keep it real, you are so genuine and you are so transparent. It has been an encouragement to me as I navigate being a mom for the first time. Um, I know that sometimes I feel overwhelmed and I really appreciate the reality that you uh, post in some of your, your content. 
the best advice I've gotten from your page and from your comments is that you are never alone. There are other moms out there that are dealing with the same things as you, whether you're on the up end or the low end. You are never alone.